What is this? And will it continue? Spoils only time will tell. At first sight, it appears we've descended into the depths of holy hell. Let's talk about it, Married at First Sight, episode four. I told you it would be an occasional thing, and tonight the occasion is nigh. Listener, it is the second ever MAFS solo recap pod here on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast feed. Max Quinn is my name. Xavier RN, your usual co-host, not interested in Married at First Sight, and I get it. It's a dumb show, but you and me... We are shooting the shit. We chatting for as long as I have words. I'm recording on the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. As always it was, as always it will be, Aboriginal land. There have been episodes since we last spoke and, oh, I've been stowing away my thoughts like little acorns and I'm going to squirrel them to you here on the BOH podcast feed. As a reminder, this is a new thing. I am trying it out. It is different to how you might think of a traditional Bachelor of Hearts podcast feed. And hello to ya if you have been with us for season 10 of The Bachelors. Here's what's different. No Zavi, obviously, but also no written recap. We are shooting from the hip here and no rules. This is the Married at First Sight Outlaw Roadshow, as far as I am concerned. Who said fucking ye? I didn't. Coming up. Uh, What is going on with misogynist marriage celebrant Jesse and also crypto grifter Adam and their poor wives? Plus, I'm going to decode some bro for you. I'm aware that like the majority of the listenership of this podcast is women in their 20s and 30s. Hello. And uh, we're just going to talk about a thing that men will say to you where, in my opinion, if he says it, run. But first, we've got to talk about what's just happened on episode four of Married at First Sight. And where I'd like to start is with Alyssa the Mormon and her marriage to Hot Duncan. This is the easiest one to talk about. This feels like the one where these two people are going to get together and the show has signaled to us that it is likely that they are going to stay together. Here's what the deal is. Is Duncan single because his name is Duncan? Can we boil it down to that? Duncan? Like, here's, here's what I'm saying. He is hot. He seems really cool. He rides a motorbike. And the show has described him as the most eligible bachelor that they have ever had, which honestly, fascinating. It should be said, right? Hot motorbike, can express his emotions. Unbelievable. I did not think that I would like Duncan coming into this, but (sighs) unfortunately he's hot and he passes the friend test based on what we've seen on the show so far. For Alyssa's part, she's a Mormon, or at least grew up as a Mormon, and her marriage to hot Duncan couldn't be more complicated. Her dad came out when she was 16, and the Mormon church, if you can believe it, were not that kind to him, which means that she's got all kinds of things going on and the marriage makers are hoping that Duncan can be her port in 
a storm. Anyway, look, they get married. The show wants us to believe that this is the real deal, and let's leave it here. This doesn't have to go for forever. I think that Alyssa and Duncan, until proven otherwise, they're going to be fine. Much the same as our friends, Lyndall and Cameron, who we met in episode one. There's not much to say about these two here. If you missed initial thoughts on them, there is the very first maths bonus episode available in your Bachelor of Hearts podcast podcast feed. Double podcast here on the BOH pod, the podcast where you come for podcasts. Here's the situation. Cameron, Lyndall get presented with this thing called the honeymoon box. From a pure nomenclature standpoint, I think this is an improvement on what they've done in previous seasons, which I believe is called the honesty box. This to me adds a little more spice, a little more drama. And the question that Lyndall and Cameron are asked is basically like, what are you worried about? And it is a clear way for them to shoehorn in a reminder that Lyndall has cystic fibrosis. If you missed it in the first episode, we talked about it. CF, a disease where your lungs don't work so good. But Lyndall is on this new drug, which has basically extended her life expectancy by something like four decades. It's incredible. And sweet Cameron is like, Oh, I guess I still have some worries about cystic fibrosis. Like, like, don't die. Like, you're so hot. And this is the point at which Lyndall sort of has to remind him, like, no, no, I'm on the special new thing. Everything has changed now. It's a reminder of the trauma that she's been through. I don't mean to be dismissive of it, but I do think the way that Cameron asked the question is particularly funny. You know, like, don't die. Like, you're so hot. Anyway, um, that's all that we have to say about Lyndall and Cameron. Let's keep moving through the couples. We have met so many couples in the last couple of episodes. Tonight, we met Caitlin and Shannon. They got married. Caitlin is a 27-year-old makeup artist who also doubles, I believe, as a gamer girl. Uh, I really like Caitlin. I also really don't think that she should be on this show. Basically, she says that she doesn't love herself as much as she should in one of these confessionals. And firstly, like, babe, I get it and, and give it a minute. She also says that she wants a cheeky guy. And this cheeky guy is this man... Shannon, a personal trainer from Perth, a personal trainer who says he likes to be cheeky and honestly is giving a bit like Dave Hughes in the face and in the hair. Shannon's situation is that he was engaged for a long time. He has a daughter. And if I can also say he has eyes, the color of the barrier reef. He also mentions that he is seeking a cheeky woman. I don't think though that Shannon and I would be friends. I talked at the top of the episode about decoding some bro. Honestly, I thought it would come up later because the man named Adam, who married Janelle, also calls himself cheeky. But now's as good a time as any. I think that men use the word cheeky as a mask for not being able to access their emotions. If you are a member of our particular audience Venn diagram here on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast feed, and a man describes himself as cheeky, he's got to go. Because in this context, okay, I feel like it is a reductive and codified way to say thoughtless, 
maybe misogynistic and particularly with little interest in changing or considering how other people might feel. Like Shannon says to the camera, he's worried that Caitlin might take his humor the wrong way, which tells me that he does not lack for self-awareness, but does lack for compassion. There's something there that I think about when it comes to people who describe themselves as cheeky. And the more that I hear it, the more that I feel it ascribed to a particular type of man who is like, oh, I'm fucking cheeky. But what they actually mean is they're a fucking dickhead. Can we also talk now about green flags? This is something that Caitlin talks about in regards to Shannon. She's like, oh, he's raising so many green flags to me. This is also codified. I think that like, is there not a better way of saying that you like something about someone? I'm not into the idea of being like, oh, that's a green flag for me. Say what you like, but particularly say why. What we don't hear from Caitlin when she's like, oh, I like that Shannon's cheeky is the because. And that for me is the important part. That is what I would like to invest in when I am watching these couples. It needs to be given away from the contestant's mouth in addition to being given away by the TV show and the framing and the way that the music happens and all that kind of stuff. I think that that is, in my opinion, a failure on the part of the producers and the editors. Let's talk quickly about Adam and Janelle. They got married in yesterday's episode and I am not feeling it. Janelle is a makeup influencer on TikTok. Adam is a dude who has respect tattooed across his chest, but doesn't seem to be capable of showing it. Janelle's thing is that she wants to know what Adam's job is. And Adam's like, why is she asking me if I don't make any money? Because it is very clear that Adam is involved in some sort of crypto situation. He keeps being like, I've got this new crypto, uh, what does he call it? Competition business. It is a grift. I will go on the record and say to you, I don't believe that this is a viable business. This is just my opinion, but I believe that this is one of those things where if you combine cryptocurrency and competition, the person at the head of the pyramid, let's say, might have worked out a way for them to make money at your expense. That's all I have to say really about Adam, other than that I didn't like Janelle's brother. This was the other part of it. So Janelle talked a lot about like, I was in this relationship with my ex and Janelle's ex really cops the bung end of the stick in this episode. I don't know what happened in that relationship. I'm not privy to it, but he is not given a voice at all. She's more like, my ex sucked. And then I think it's to establish the character of the brother as this like man to be careful of. And we see him sitting there at the wedding, watching Adam, who I will say, I don't like, but he's very, very protective of Janelle as the sister. He's like, well, you shouldn't fucking be saying that around my sister, bro. Like there's a very, um, I don't know. For me, it is like too of the same kind of, are they ions? What are the things in science that like, it's trying to like push two magnets together essentially is what I'm saying. I don't like Janelle's brother. I don't like Janelle's husband. And I don't know that it's going to play out too well for Janelle. We have too much to talk about. I still want to talk about Brarison, Bronte and Harrison, but now is the time for us to talk about Jesse and Claire, Clessy, and Jesse, who in particular 
<laughs> sucks. We have not talked about Jesse yet, really. I mentioned in the first recap episode that he was giving me kind of hives in his weird pink suit and his man bun and the whole thing where he was like boisterous and pushing the limit, but we really got to know him over the last couple of episodes. He describes himself in confessional as a super loud character guy and... I could not find a more perfect way to describe him. That is exactly who he is. He means it in a complimentary way. I do not. Jesse, I do not think, is sincere or has self-awareness in any way that you could frame it. Later on, he says, I've gone from being this fun character to this needy, gross, clinging guy. Everything I aspire to never be again. He is just fucking awful. So Jesse has married this woman called Claire. Claire seems great. She likes muscle cars. She's got tattoos. She's loud. She's kind of like, it feels like she's on a pretty similar wavelength to Jesse. But the thing that the show is presenting about Jesse is that he has these particular standards. He has the ick about women who believe in things like crystals. And you may have heard us on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast in the past make fun of, hmm, let me say, thoughtless, spiritual, mumbo-jumbo. And I stand by, I want to say, everything that I have said in the past. But the idea is not to write off people because of what they believe in. If what they believe in is that crystals might have healing properties that can make them feel better and go around in the right way in their own lives, you go right ahead and do you. And if you care that you are a Taurus and that I am an Aries, sick. Let's find out what that means. I am so fine about it. Jesse is not. He is incomplete and he is also manipulative. So what happens here is that they get married. He's like, oh, I really, she's so fucking hot. Like imagine like a hot chick like this saying like that she's like interested in me. And then he cries at the wedding. It's really beautiful. And then Instantly, he gets the ick. It's really, really funny. I have issues on the whole with this idea of the ick as a as something that you can catch. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think that the ick is something that is like instantaneous, and I feel like it is a bit of an excuse in a weird way. I'm trying to articulate myself about this. I haven't fully formed my thoughts here. Jesse is like, oh, I've got the ick about this and I've got the ick about that. And you, are you the fucking ickabog? Like, like, let's, okay, fucking you turf JK Rowling piece of shit. Let's continue. Here's what I have to say. <laughs> Can you tell that I just bailed out of a bit? Let's continue. Here's what I have to say about Jesse who continues to suck. Okay. So they get married. The whole thing happens. They go on their honeymoon and then he shushes her. She's like talking about whatever's going on in her life. And he's like, shh, 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 shh. You're being too loud. And it is fucking awful. This man, mm, to be shushed by your partner and particularly to be shushed by someone that you have just met. So fucking rude. And he's like, no, she's too loud. It's no good. They spend the day apart and then they come back together on this pontoon in the shallow water on the beach. Can he not swim? I don't know. Throwing shade. Here's what happens. Jesse is like, oh, 
you know, like I've I feel really like I feel like inadequate and like I don't know, I feel like you, you know, everything that we share in common you're more of and the way I am in my manliness, like I feel like you'll never need me again. Like he just like is expressing all of these bogus insecurities that say to me, you need work because if your manliness is predicated on what you can do, how you can protect a woman, the way in which you meet a need for a a partner rather than being on equal footing and being able to appreciate and see the qualities in each other that make each other better and complement each other, then... I don't know. What are we doing? There's something about Jesse that feels very manipulative in the way that he's explaining this because he's almost like he makes this woman, Claire, who rocks, by the way, feel bad. And then he goes right away and makes her feel bad again by being and projecting all of this insecurity. And she's like, oh, maybe I can see where Jesse's coming from. You know, it's awful. It is so, so rough. So this culminates in another one of these honeymoon box situations. And the question that is asked of this couple is basically like, say one thing that you find annoying about the person that you're with and say one thing that you really like about the person that you're with. And the way that Jesse approaches this is without tact. And he is read to filth by Claire in confessional where Basically, this Jesse is like, this man's like, I don't like all the random things you say. Love, life is about saying random things. Oh, I feel so incensed by this where he's like, you just keep saying things that don't need to be said. Like, when I am with someone who makes me feel happy and who makes me feel, I don't know, beguiled and excited, I think... Say more. That's how I feel. And the way that Jesse is expressing this is negging this woman, his frustration at what must be the experience, but also like his frustration at the tiny little man that he is on the inside. Like this is fucking awful. He makes fun of her for the way that she speaks and for the things that she makes comment on. And to her credit, Claire's like, no, you're not my person. And she gets herself up. She walks away. And I think she leaves the experiment. I don't know. I love that they call this an experiment also. Like you are married. I don't know anyone who has entered the marriage arena being like, this is an experiment. I'm sure this is tautology, right? Like we have and other people I'm sure have talked about this ad nauseum on their podcast. To me, this is a funny, funny piece of terminology. So that's where we'll leave Claire and Jesse, just just one of the yuckiest men that the TV has produced. The year is young. It is the 2nd of February, and Jesse is staking his claim for the yuckiest man on TV this year, only to be rivaled so far, I think by Harrison. Now, Harrison is part of Brarison, Bronte and Harrison. They got married in the first episode also. You might remember Bronte. They call her an online beauty educator. She's got the big, pretty eyes. And her thing was that she's always like 
dating these fuckboys and she gets pulled aside at the wedding by one of her friends, Jess, who was also on The Bachelor, and they're like, oh, it turns out Harrison's also a fuckboy. He's dating this guy. No, he's dating this girl on the outside. Wouldn't that be a turn up for the books? Um, never on <laughs> never on Australian reality television would a man be allowed to date another man. God forbid. Anyway, here's what happens. They fuck. Browerson, get down to business. It comes about as a result of Bronte receiving a phone call from her sister being like, oh, yeah, Jess from The Bachelor, she seems like she's only out for her 15 minutes of fame, whatever. She's been edited entirely out of The Bachelor. This probably could not have gone worse for Jess. In the last episode, I was like, what a month for Jess. Now, Jess has been edited out of The Bachelor and thrown entirely under the bus by Married at First Sight. But the result of it is that Bronte's like, well, now I trust this man called Harrison who claims to be James Bond and doesn't have a neck all over again. So they go out for lunch and he's wearing a brunch hat. And again, if you are a listener of this podcast and you are staring a man in a brunch hat in the face, (sighs) run. All I'm going to say to you is that you are dealing with a type of guy and maybe this type of guy is more harmless than the previous type of guy who describes himself as cheeky, but I think that they might be correlated. At the very least, I will say to you, I think that this type of guy is tasteless. To this point, Harrison has never tried rosé before. It is a big deal for the two of them that Harrison, at 32 years old, father of a son, is trying rosé for the first time. But do you know what? It works for Bronte for some reason. They get down to it. They are fucking. And Harrison, in confessional, says this. Yeah, well, like the hotter the flame, the the quicker it burns out. Evidently, they have not had very good sex after they've had their rosé. What has happened, though, feels a little bit more questionable than that to me. We hear from Bronte a couple of times in confessional and she says, it's not about the physical. I also need to be mentally stimulated when we're having sex. And he shut that down. I need to figure out the do's and don'ts. There were no emotions. And when Bronte tries to bring this up with him, Harrison's like, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Which is fucking funny. Again, awful. I feel so sorry for Bronte, that this man is her alleged television husband. Like, she's like, I want to work out what works for us. And he's like, I fucking don't want to talk about. Like, it feels to me like he is trying to present her as a shit root on the TV. And I don't like that. Imagine, by the way, your television reality TV husband being like, well, she's just fucking no good at it. Like, it's just, I have the same impression for all of the men on this season. It is because they are all... I believe, on the inside, the same man. (sighs) Am I hearing what he is saying correctly? Like, what I am inferring from the way that Harrison is talking about having sex with Bronte is that she didn't perform to his standards, and listen, I am using heavy air quotes. This felt really discomforting to me, and the way that Harrison spoke about it, both to camera and to her the next morning, it kind of felt like maybe Bronte was being 
punished. This is just an inference based on what I'm seeing on the show. Like there is nothing there that felt really hmm, discursive to me, felt open, felt encouraging in terms of like, this is someone who I am actually interested in having a relationship with, which casts further aspersions of the fact that Harrison, so we have heard, may have a relationship on the outside. Another thing to cast aspersions over when it comes to Harrison, yucky eater. I watched him have dinner tonight. He stabs his steak, whatever it is, with the fork in the weirdest possible way. I just am like, Mm-mm-mm-mm. it's no good. And here is where... Bronte, I feel, really gets punished. The The honeymoon box arrives. They have had sex. And the question in the honeymoon box, which is awful from the producers, and you can see how manipulative the, the production aspect of this show is and how icky it, it feels and why it is such good drama for that reason. But what happens is that the question is, do you feel any sexual chemistry with me? And Bronte, to her credit, is like, yes, based on first impressions, I do feel sexual chemistry with you. And we talked about it in the first episode. It's clear that that chemistry is there from the confessionals that they each gave, from the way that they talk to each other. But she also says that she doesn't want it to just be about sex and that based on the way that things happened last night, they should start from scratch. And... This is where Harrison pulls it away. This is uh, your classic crypto rug pull, if we are to borrow a phrase from the lexicon of the other man, Adam, okay? What happens is that he's like, nah, we had it, but like, it's not there now. He says, I feel like I just need time to find you sexually attractive again. And Bronte, to her credit, is like, oh, I think I just need a little bit of time to process that. And he says... I feel like you're getting a bit emotional. Where are these hysterics coming from? Like, I feel like we're trying to have a two-way conversation here and the only one who hasn't gotten emotional was me. As if not getting emotional in a conversation is the only way that you can describe your real feelings or whatever. There's something that is so... uh, so misogynistic, I think, in the way that he is articulating himself in this conversation. And it makes me feel just like it's confirmation bias. I didn't like Harrison in the first episode. I certainly don't like him now. But listener, but listener, I do like to talk about this show. We have so many other people to talk about. Not tonight. I am exhausted. Here we go. Uh, what happened with um, Dandy? Sandy and Dan, they're on this show. There's a man named Oliver uh, and he gets married to someone, Tani, maybe. They seem to be having a good time. I think they had sex at some point. Really good for them. The rest of them, hey, we're going to meet finally. We are finally going to meet our 41-year-old root rat on Sunday night on Married at First Sight. Will we talk about it? Who can say? I myself won't be podcasting live after that event. I will be at a music festival, but um, maybe we will talk to each other again later into next week. All right. Look, that certainly is more than I planned on having to say about an episode of Married at First Sight. It has been a pleasure talking to you about all of the rancid things that we've seen happening on the television. This is about the time where I should say goodbye, listener. 
Thank you so much for hanging out. If you want to join the community, the Bachelor of Hearts Osh posting group on Facebook is a fantastic way to do it. You can also find us on socials at BOHpod. Until next time, and for my friend, Xavier RN, we love you. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.